Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, now we're going to go down Conspiracy Island here. It's 106 in Edmonton. Welcome back. Second hour of the show. All this week, we're going to 12 through 3. Okay, tomorrow the players will talk. Wednesday, we'll hear coaches and management, Jay Woodcroft and Ken Holland. We'll still have all of our regular guests. George LaRock's coming up at 135 today. John Shannon at uh, 205. George for Contract Equipment Limited. John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. You can uh, reach us on the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. The River Cree Resort and Casino Excitement, bet on it. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you always wanted at Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. This is the second hour of Oilers Now, brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer, the ideal place to start your daily vacation. I'll get to Jim, Mike, and Andy momentarily. Haji says Bob on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. The Oilers have been lacking gamesmanship for a long time. I'm puzzled as the need to declare Leon free from injury immediately after Petro's slash. Leon's numbers speak for themselves. He was not playing with two functioning arms post-game four. He couldn't stick handle to his norm. His passes were missing zest and accuracy. Was there a muscle or an other soft tissue injury or a bruise? Everybody in the medical profession knows that soft tissue injuries often take time to show themselves. My point, why give the Department of Player Safety the ability to say there was no injury? Tests could have still been ran well into Petro's hearings. Whatever it was, two bruised wrists or something worse, Leon was not perfectly fine after the chop, and his play substantiated the same. Yet there is an axe wielder playing his game unabated. Gamesmanship, every other team does it. Why not the Oilers? Uh, Haji goes on to say, take Leon under, apply ice, and announce he's undergoing further testing and we'll have an MRI scheduled the following day. That one comes to us from Haji. Brendan, what do you think of that? I'm going to be honest, I was looking at something else. Oh, you weren't even listening. No. Okay, because we're getting bombarded with stuff. you got people. So basically, Haji's saying the order should have delayed a prognosis on dry soil. Oh, yes. Okay, I did have half an ear on that. I mean, listen, if it comes out tomorrow or whenever that there is an injury, I get it. But dry Seidel is also the type of player who's going to be out there unless he's he, missing a limb. So you're kind of in a catch The guy played with a bad high ankle sprain. Yeah. Ironically enough, it was McDavid that got Anderson back. It was McDavid that stuck up for Petrangelo. 
I agree, though. The Oilers lack gamesmanship. They do. It's that simple. 780-496-0063. Who's waited the longest here? I think it's Mike on line number two. Brendan, can you hit Mike, please? Hey, Mike, you're on Oilers now. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Bob? Great show. Thank you. What do you got? Bob, I got to talk about chemistry. Okay. And, you know, I... I know that the Oilers went to this 11-7 and a lot this year, and there was a reference made to this earlier and didn't quite catch it. But I think a couple of things. You know, when you take a look at Seattle right now and you take a look at Carolina, even Vegas for that matter, it seems like they have set chemistry, set lines. You know, hockey's the kind of game where chemistry is absolutely crucial. And the Oilers' power play, is a perfect example of that. You have these incredibly talented individuals running a power play at an efficiency rating that's unheard of, but it's because they have chemistry. They know where each other are. They know what to expect in given situations, in pressure situations. And I really think this 11-7 and seven, over the course of the year, both defensively and offensively, I mean, if I'm a Warren Fogel, or clean costin. I mean, it's great to be elevated to a McDavid's line if there's an injury. But, I mean, in a pressure situation like the playoffs, they continuously have guys cycling through that are different, as talented as McDavid and Dreisaitl are. It's pretty tough to develop that chemistry in pressure situations. I mean, these guys are phenomenal in their play. And... There was a reference made on TV last night. I was listening to their minutes. And, you know, and I really think that McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, if they take a regular shift and they're on the power play, they're getting a lot of minutes. But it allows over the course of the season for guys to figure out what is it that they do best and in what situations. And I just, you know, I, I don't see other teams cycling these guys through. And, and I think in the long run, Bob, I don't think it helps chemistry, and I really believe that's why you have these ups and downs in the Oilers' play, where they have these laps depending on who is. Like last night, it was at Yamamoto, uh, Nugent Hopkins, and Dreisaitl on the ice for two of March or so's goals. Yeah, Yamamoto uh, had Yamamoto had a tough playoffs. That, Nugent Hopkins had a tough playoffs. Drysaddle said himself last night he wasn't any good. We'll never know to what degree any of them were hurt. Well, maybe we'll have better clarity in the next couple days. Really? Uh, here's the deal, Mike. When you lose, everything gets second-guessed. It comes with the territory. The Tampa Bay won, Lightning won Stanley Cups going 11-7. and seven. Yeah. Uh, The Oilers moved to 12-6 and six in the last couple games and lost the games. They actually had a better record going 11-7 and seven in the playoffs than they did 12-6. and six. But, but you make a valid point about the power play. One of the reasons why the power play is so good is in the 1-3-1 alignment, it's been the same three. It's been Nugent Hopkins... Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, or Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and McDavid. And as a result, the power play over the last five seasons has gone ninth, first, first, third, first. And over the last four seasons has been, the lowest it was was 26% in 21-22. So it went 29, uh, 29.5 in 1920, 27.6 in 2021, the all-Canadian year, 26% last year, 32.4 this year. And it got better with Bouchard and the collateral damage that gets created because of that shot from the point. So I do agree with you on the chemistry on the power play. The team has to play better team defense and has to do a better job penalty killing. Thanks for the call, Mike. Do it.
780-496-0063. We are going to go to Andy on line number three. Hi, Andy. You've been waiting a long time. How are you doing? No, not bad, Bob. How are you? Not bad. Hey, say, Bob, I really appreciate your uh, in-depth expertise of the Oilers and the team in general. I sure learn a lot from your show. You'd be the only one, but thank you for that. <laughs> say, Bob, I, I certainly concur with... Uh, Hill still still in the game there last night. He's just a big goaltender, kind of down on his knees a lot. Uh, there were so many times there late in the game there where the if we could have just got those puck up in the top corners there a few times there there it was there to get that third goal. But uh, anyway, my question for you is how how do we miss that uh, that double minor on Ekholm? Like I I just don't understand after a, say the next yeah. whistle where they can't convene with the linesmen and others they got to get that call right at that point in the game and who knows what would happen. We've gone seventy five minutes into the show and I didn't I, I didn't really want to bring up officiating because of how Edmonton lost the final two games. Like, I didn't like the officiating the first three games against L.A., okay? At the end of the day, the team that took more penalties ended up losing every game in the series. The Oilers took one more penalty than L.A., and they only got one power play. Uh, There was some dispute, debate on the high stick on Ekholm. Some said, no, that's a follow-through. Others said, well, wait a sec. It wasn't wasn't necessarily a follow-through. I generally think that Wes McCauley's the best ref in the league, so I want to be consistent there. And tomorrow when we have Frank Saravalli on, we're going to discuss this with him. But the Vegas Golden Knights, like, here's the difference between the NBA and the NHL, and Frank's talked about it. In the NBA, full accountability for the officials. They actually do a report on the assessment of how games are officiated and how it favors which team on blown calls or calls that get made or don't made. And the NHL doesn't do any of that. Uh, But to me, last night wasn't... A game does. I, I get what you're saying, but I just I don't think it was a game that was decided by the officials. No, so you don't think that was a penalty then on, on Ekholm? Or I, it could have been. Let's put it this way: in the regular season, it would have been a penalty for sure. For sure, yeah. And you, anyway, you know, at whatever there was six minutes or so left in the game. Yeah, they just. You know, it, they, they, it's just. The bigger, see, the big when you're doing the the postseason analysis, I'm looking at this going. Well, to me, it's pretty obvious the team can score. They got to defend better. They got to give up fewer goals against. And when you lose the way they lost in game, I mean, one of the callers made a point. Every game Edmonton lost this year in the playoffs, they had the lead in. They have right. to figure that end of it out. How do we do a better job defending? Um, and I do think you're going to see a change in personnel. I think you're going to see at least one of the starting six defensemen get moved, and it ain't going to be Bouchard, and you're not moving Nurse, and you're probably at the price point, you're not moving DeHarnay, and you're certainly not moving Ekholm. How do you trade Kulak after this playoff run? Like, the guy played great. He had a great playoff in the third pairing, and you have Broberg. So, you know, CeCe's sitting there. He's got two years left in his deal. Can he bounce back? I mean, he had a tough season this year. He, You know, like the guy had double-digit goals in Ottawa one year. He became a little bit more of a two-way. To, like last year, if you looked at his year, I thought Cody was pretty good. He wasn't close to the same defenseman this year at the level that he was at last year. So, you know, I think the Nurse-CeCe pairing really struggled against Vegas. They needed more out of that pairing. And then... You know, when they played Bukestead and Nugent Hopkins, there were some trouble areas there together as well, 5v5. But that's some will say that's nitpicking, and others will say, well, that's a, you know, a more gradual look at things. So, anyhow, anything else you wanted to add? 
No, that I, I agree for sure. I, I think they do need some more help uh, defensively, just body position at times, you know, in front yeah. of the net for sure to help clear rebounds and that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway. It was a good um, year. They just, they yeah, just, it was. and Vegas that, is know. like, I, I think people, like most of the listeners, fun, like, I totally get that people are upset and cheesed off and pissed that the team lost the series. I totally get that. But I was not, I, I said Edmonton would win in six. It was going to be a hard series to win, just like I thought it was going to be a hard series to win against LA. Like, those teams were all so close during the year, you know? And, uh, and at the end of the day, Let's not forget, Vegas finished ahead of Edmonton. They didn't have Mark Stone for half the season. And every somehow, somehow, Andy, the Vegas Golden Knights, despite not being top 10 goals for, top 10 goals against, top 10 on the power play, top 10 on the penalty kill, somehow they, they won the Western Conference in the regular season. And all I can look at is the save percentage. Every goalie had a good save right. percentage. Yep. And when it's more than one goalie, to me that's a reflection on coaching and Sean Burke. For sure. Yeah, there's something there. I, well, personally, uh, in closing for me, I, I, I hope that uh, Vegas goes on and wins the Satanic Cup, and then that'll maybe Edmonton can, can take some more positives from this series and how close it was and uh, just build on it for next year. I hope you're right, Andy. Thanks for the call. 780 You bet. 780-496-0063. We're going to go to uh, Jim, who's been waiting over 15, no, 20 minutes now on line number one. Hey, Jim, how are you? <laughs> I'm not too bad. Yeah, I just want to say I, I agree with uh, like everything you say. I kind of had the you know the same feeling, but I, I felt like you know during the beginning of the year they were having trouble finding their, their the lineups that they should use, and you know I I always figured well you, you had Drysdale, you had Hyman, and uh, and uh, Drysdale, Hyman, and McDavid. I mean that lineup was always good. I mean stick with them. And then you got Kane. He was hurt, but when he came back, he's of course second line. You got Fogle, who's you know really good, and and Nuge, he's you know he's got over you know 100 points, whatever this year. I put him on the second lineup, and then you get a tough line. You get uh, Koskinen, Bukestad, and Janmark on the third line, and then you get a little speed with McLeod and uh, Derek Ryan Shore on the fourth. That that's you know what what I see eh, that you know what really helped them out. And the refereeing, I agree with that. I mean uh, there was you know the one call, uh, I believe it was the fourth game on. It's, uh, it's a it's a close series, right? Like yeah. I didn't like the call against Broberg in Game Five, but no, it's a close. You know, it's close. Like the teams are so close that one call. Like the bottom line is, it was a one bounce game in Game uh, Five, mm-hmm. and the way that, that, that like in outscored three nothing in Game Five, outscored three nothing in Game Six in the second period. That's yeah. what it like. They made good adjustments, and the Oilers got torched, and in the end, it killed them. And the other thing is, the, you know, like Stuart Skinner got you outshoot a team seventy-five to fifty-one over the final two games, yeah. And you blow two-one leads in both games. Maybe you don't. Des- maybe you don't deserve to win. No, that's another one of my points. You know, at the end of the season, you look at uh, when they brought Campbell back in. Uh, uh, what's called. Uh, Skinner got the shutout. Uh, they put Campbell in. He gets a shutout. I mean, they won like four they, games in a row. They were you know, playing easy. They were playing easy teams. They yeah, were that's play- true too. But I, I believe you know if they would have gave Campbell a little, little more chance, you know, kind of went back and forth because you know you got to remember this is uh, Skinner. Basically, he didn't play much last year, but I mean, this is his first playoff, and then you got 100%. Campbell, who's a seasoned uh, playoff veteran. Eh? Yeah, thanks for the call, Jim. You're welcome. Yeah, 121 in Edmonton, 780-496-0063. Protect the Net was brought to you during the playoffs by Solve Cybersecurity. Stay ahead of cyber threats with the team that you can trust. Visit solve, S-O-1-V-E dot I-O. Brendan. 
The Oilers couldn't solve Aiden Hill in the final game. They scored on their first two shots. He stopped the next 39. I When it was 2-1, three minutes into the game, you sit, just so the listeners are aware, when we're broadcasting games, Cam Moon and Brendan, uh, when Cam's not doing the games with me, they sit next to me. In the, and we looked at each other when it was 2-1 with Hill giving up those. I'm like, get some more shots on this guy right away. Right away. Everything, funnel it to Lynette, crash the crease. But Vegas, the Oilers got 41 shots. How many second-chance opportunities at Edmonton? And, None. And Yamamoto, two opportunities in the final six minutes of the first period. One which he created himself. He got inside position. He beat Petrangelo to a loose puck. He's got to find a way to either force a penalty or take it hard to just drive it to the net. I had another, you know, John Sexsmith and myself have this thing about uh, John worked at Global for 26 years. It's tough to be a flyweight. It's tough to be a flyweight in the NHL come playoff time, which makes the irony of Derek Ryan so crazy. He's 5'10", 180, without any sort of explosive speed, yet he has the highest success rate of getting the puck out of his own zone of any guy. He just thinks his way around the ice, right? right. It's fun to watch him in in the the cycle, and I think he's been such a, a big part of the driver for that third line and why they've had success and, and when they had success in keeping the puck in the ozone. That line had a 70. I, I would come back with that line next year. They had a 75% shot share when they were on the ice in the playoffs against the good teams, against L.A., against Vegas, you know, against an 11th place team and a 5th place team in the league. Those are good teams. You know, you get you got the puck in their end seventy five percent of the time. I like your chances. So, uh, in Yamamoto's case, ironically, a guy from Spokane. There's only three of them that played in the league: Tyler Johnson, Yamamoto, and Derek Ryan. He could learn from Derek Ryan if he wants to extend his career and be an effective player, right? And that's I just don't know if it's going to occur here. Frankly, he's a three million dollar cap hit. He's a one third buyout. What do you think on Holloway? Do you think they got to get him? Yeah, I, I I like that you've you've kind of phrased it a missed opportunity there in in a sense where he's just he's got the frame right he's kind of got like he skates a little bit more like McLeod does in that sense he flies around the ice you've in, invested first round draft capital into this player I, I found myself asking last night like whether or not he might not be fully healthy because I can't see why else you wouldn't at some point he never give it even a go. got into a mix he never like, got a sniff like so. Yeah, lost opportunity there. And I'm not saying that that would have been the difference in the series, but I think that he could have at least altered how that bottom six was performing. Yeah. All right. 124, when we come back, we'll get to NHL today. You're listening to Oilers now. Tells you everything you need to know about the guy. I mean, he was devastated last night after last night's loss. Guests and orders now receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurant. Come in and check out their new location at 3975 Calgary Trail. Don and his staff at Japanese Village will take care of you. We go to NHL today for Drew Shamahorn and the staff at Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandising specialist. Head to ElitePromoMarketing.com. Here's Brendan Escott. Uh, Dallas hosting Seattle in Game 7 of that series tonight. The winner advancing to face Vegas in the Western Conference Final in the East. It is 
Carolina hosting Florida in Game 1 sometime this week. McDavid, David Pasternak, and Matthew Kachuk are your Hart uh, Trophy finalists this year. Canada beating Slovakia 3-1 in a shootout this morning. I know that sounds weird. It was actually 2-1 if you do the NHL scoring system. But regardless, uh, they sit atop the group at the Men's World Hockey Championship. It was Jake Neighbors scoring in the regulation goal for the Canadians, his first of the tournament. And in the Western Hockey League Championship Series, they're knotted at a game apiece after Seattle and Winnipeg split games at Canada Life Centre over the weekend. They shift to Kent, Washington for three straight games now, three, four, and five tomorrow, Wednesday, and Friday, Bob. All right, 128 in Edmonton. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. And when we come back for contract equipment, George LaRock.